What's up, guys? This is David here for the very first <laughs> inaugural episode of Truth in Love, Let's covering go. hard topics with truth in a loving way. Join with some friends, the one and only business casually dressed Elena Haas. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, guys. Um, you don't feel like you're happy to be here. I'm out of retirement. Yeah, you're out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Maverick's over here pumped to be here. And I'm you're over so there. excited. I'm so excited. Are you crazy? Elena has been at the port. Elena, honestly, is probably responsible for why the porch is so influential in so many people's <laughs> lives. Built the brand, okay. like, has been just a pillar in porch history. Started the original views from the porch. Anything else you'd like to I was say? gonna say, like, we're we're friends. I was gonna say that's our connection. <laughs> <laughs> like Elena's my friend. We've been friends for a long time, so she's on yes. this podcast. But sure, let's go with the business stuff. Yeah, no, we're that friends. friends. <laughs> Her and Jacob having uh Jacob was a porch legend as well. Two kids okay. is here at City Bridge. Then there's Maverick, who I don't even know how to introduce. Maverick is like me he's me. He's <laughs> he's him. He's a dancer, we just found out, basically professional. Mm, not really. Is a musician, is uh, a savant on content creation. He's also in the Institute right now. I am. Yes, the Institute. The Institute's fun. That I thought like I knew the Old Testament pretty well. I'm like, oh, I know all those stories. I went to Sunday school, and then it was like, oh, this is a lot of genocide. There's a lot of stuff in here that oh, you didn't go. hear about Let's in go. Sunday school. Topic number one, <laughs> genocide in the Old Testament. Wait, explain what the Institute is. Um, yeah, it's just like a year-long program that I've been walking through with some some of my friends there. And uh, it's just l basically learning the Bible from beginning to end yeah. um, and walking through the whole thing. I mean, our teacher Derek's great. I mean, he breaks it down in ways that you're just like, oh my gosh, Super. I never... Never knew that was there. Super gifted. So this morning, anything else you want to say about intro? Oh, we didn't give you an intro. Uh, oh yeah, dude, yeah. Marvin, yes. everybody, let's give me an intro. <laughs> I should do one, and you should do one. Okay. I cannot wait. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. This is David Marvin, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. Retired porch pastor. Retired. <laughs> now. <laughs> now. Retired. <laughs> yes. Um, father. Husband invented the bread tie. Yes, um, the, what? the bread tie. Yeah, yeah. Bread tie. Uh, whoever invented that yeah. is banking. Oh, I mean that's like the smallest little thing, but I mean that guy probably made millions. Banking. It's a it's the like twisty thing. Oh, the bread tie. Bread. oh, okay, okay. I thought it was something. Okay, yeah. Man, hey, that was great. The bread right, tie. Uh, my turn. My turn. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. This is David Mar J. <laughs> Is it David oh, J Marvin? It's James. It's James. Yeah. This is David James Marvin. That's me. He, you guys may not know this, but he was actually really big into the javelin. Oh my gosh. In college, I right? Actually, I actually did throw the javelin in college. That he is threw true. the javelin and- um, Did you know that? I think I did. But for some reason, when I think of javelin, I think of like guys on horseback, like riding at each other. No, that's <laughs> like, jousting. Oh, jousting. Okay. <laughs> that's jousting. Yeah. No, but for, all, for, for real though, he is a great dad. Man. Great pastor. Keep going. Kind of annoying yeah, a just, lot of the time. This doesn't feel authentic, honestly. But he's, I thought we were friends, but we'll see what oh he has Oh my to gosh. Oh man. Hey, this is going to be fun. That's all I have to say. This is going to be fun. <laughs> but today, I think what our plan is to just go through some of the questions that we got from people on Q&A. We probably will not do that most of the time. We'll probably just go through a single topic and dive in, unless y'all want to talk about something else. No. I mean, that works for me. Let's do it. All right. All right. But any standout? I mean, you, you picked out some that- Let me go back. Let me go back through. Mav and I both on in, our own separate Instagram accounts. Or did you do it on TikTok? I did it on Instagram. Can you even do that on TikTok? 
Uh, yeah, there's a way. There's like people can do it on your account, but I don't think on videos. Oh, okay, I got so, it. So like, they can ask your account questions. Different questions you may have asked, and so we may hit some of those in truth, and hopefully in a loving way. Let's go. Let's look. First one to find the best one wins. Israel conflict. That feels like not a. That's a heavy one. one. That for a first episode. What does the Bible say about transgenderism? It's another heavy one to start with. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys can tell, we haven't done much prep. We were like, hey, let's just sit down and um. You are start wrong, talking. Jason. All of mine are about dancing. Like literally every single one <laughs> is like, is dancing a sin? Your dancing is a sin. Which, like, <laughs> which is because like, hey, yo. Okay, I have what? one. I have one. Okay, okay. And I want you to you're not gonna push this on me, David. I know you're gonna I, try to. I can't to, wait. Come on. But I'm holding you to it. As a girl, what do I say? To a guy to show I'm interested, I don't believe in making the first move. Well, technically, if she doesn't believe in making the first move, she would be making the first move, right? What do you mean? If she said, what do I say to show I'm interested, but I don't believe in making the first move. It's kind of a contradicting oh, Yeah, she's contradicting herself. <laughs> well, I think she means, like, saying something isn't the same as making the first move. I bet she would say. Like, making the first move to her, she means, like, I'm not going to go up to him and be like, hey, I like you, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think the question behind that question is, is it okay for the girl to make the first move? Or is it okay for a girl to put herself out there, right? Mm. Which I would say... I think she wants specifics. What do I say? I mean, the only example in the Bible that we have of this is Ruth and Boaz, where it's a kind of bizarre story. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. She uh, goes yeah. and... Like, <clears throat> covers his feet. Yeah, it gives him a foot massage pretty much, right? <laughs> Which there's <laughs> a lot weird. of, yeah, a lot of speculation around exactly what that is. And people will use that as like, oh, man, is it okay? I think you just want to run in the same friend group. And oftentimes, guys can pick up, hey, we have chemistry, and I think there's something that could work there. Not always. A lot of guys, like, my, I was an idiot when I was younger and single and didn't know if a girl was putting herself out there. In fact, my wife would say, on numerous occasions, she was like putting herself out there and <laughs> writing notes after I gave a message or something like that was so Aww. powerful. And and I, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, uh, literally, I can't, I gave a message and she wrote a note, put it in the box. And it was like, that was so encouraging, yada, yada, yada. Um, thanks for doing that for all of us, Callie. And I read it and I was like, I wonder which Callie this is. And I didn't think a thing of it and moved on. You're getting a lot of Callie yeah. notes, I guess. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I feel like, I feel like I always notice if a girl's in. I feel like I feel like guys just know. Yeah, they but know. now you're making me think I'm blind and I'm missing a lot. I think that you may be more blind than you <laughs> think, think at times. Oh no! Uh, but I think you put yourself in the friend group and you try to spend time around them or do group events together. The reason why I don't think it's it's ideal for a girl to make the first move just to go to that question because yeah. people now today will will say, hey, you know, a girl can ask a guy out. And does the Bible prohibit that? No, but the Bible is clear on the role the man is to play in marriage. In marriage is to be the primary leader or the person that God holds responsible for leading his home. And so if the girl is from the jump initiating the relationship, it could be that she's creating uh, the potential for a passive man to be in that relationship, which is not God's best, that the role of the man is to initiate. And a lot of this problem is because guys just don't initiate. So if you're listening and you're a guy, and there's a girl you want to take on a date. Ask her on a date. Initiate, initiate, initiate. I mean, what would you say? I mean, that's a tough question. Here's here's the thing. I do think that there's something to making a guy feel like if they were to ask you out, you wouldn't say no. Because I think a lot of times guys are more, you know, that can be a nerve-wracking thing. And so maybe they're more, like, nervous to 
take that step and totally. ask the girl. So maybe it's like, terrifying. it's not just like one thing you can say, <laughs> yeah, totally. but you, there's a thing you can make them feel, which is like, hey, if you were to ask me out, if you did like me, I just want to give you the confidence to know that like I would be interested in that. Yeah, totally. So I think there's things, there's like, there's things you can say, there's things you can do. Like you said, like getting around there, hanging around in the same group as them, like yeah. in friend circles and, you know, I think there's things like that. Yeah. But it's not like a magic line or anything. Yeah, totally. Know? And to the point, it is terrifying to guys. So just to acknowledge that. And I think part of the reason it's terrifying is we've like lost the culture of courage. And so every time that a guy initiates and he faces that terrifying you fear. You say I don't have courage uh, no, no, hey, no. <laughs> yeah, You know what I'm saying. Uh, I, they're flexing that muscle in a culture that doesn't celebrate and doesn't encourage men to flex the muscle of courage. And so, yes, it is terrifying. And to anybody who flexes that muscle and gets rejected, dude, way to go. Keep going. You're being one of the qualities that God says men are to be, which is strong, courageous, yeah. initiate. And I just want to say, I remember this feeling all too well. Like, I, I promise you, like, I remember being like, okay, I'm interested in this specific person. It was actually my husband. And I want him to feel, like, confident to ask me out if he wants to. And I remember that feeling. It is, a, it's honestly a really bad feeling. And let me say why. Because when I, so I dated in the non- christian world like before i was a believer mm -hmm. and i dated you i just felt this confidence to just be so much more like um less worried about that you know yeah, like yeah. less worried about like oh if i make the first move i just was kind of just being myself and i think i got really in my head when i became a believer of like okay i don't want to come off too like aggressive you know or come off Flirty too xyz or, yeah because yeah. then it's like christian guys don't like that you know but i'm like i don't know <laughs> In hindsight, I'm like, girl, you really overthought it, and you should have just been yourself and not been so, like, stressed about that, yes, you know? totally. Um, so, hey, whatever. On a totally different note, because I mentioned it, and it is a question people had, we don't have time to go into transgenderism here. We're taking a turn. <laughs> yeah. But wow. we okay. have, to make sure anyone listening, if you want to know, we did an entire series on God's design for sex, gender, masculinity, femininity, called Sex by Design this past uh, summer, June, July, at some point this summer. And you can find all that on YouTube where we just cover exhaustively. Because it is a sensitive topic, and it yeah. is a topic that God cares a lot about and a topic that's having a lot of damage. So, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? I think that also has, like, sometimes girls may think it's them, but sometimes the guy, too, just, he's like, like, there's been girls that I'm like, oh, yeah, she'd probably make a great wife. But I'm like, I'm just not ready for that. Like, I don't, I'm oh. I'm happy where I'm at. And yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Like, they may not be looking for it as much like like you're looking for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's also like you got to take that into consideration too. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean something's wrong with you. Yeah, totally. that's a good uh, point. But. Yeah, no, that's spot on. Is predestination real? Yes. Romans 8. What? <laughs> it is. It's true. Okay, but just can you give like a one-liner on what predestination means? Predestination is God predestined. So this is where it becomes challenging. So I was answering face value. Is okay, it real? Okay. Yes. Um, but it, it, predestination is referenced throughout Ephesians 1, Romans 8. It's the idea that God foreknew or knows all those who are going to be with him for eternity and that he predestined those. At the same time, the Bible teaches that everyone is responsible for their own decisions. How those all work itself out is unclear. There was an mm -hmm. old preacher named Charles Spurgeon who painted a picture of like heaven. It's as though the gates of heaven on the front say all are welcome and calling all people in. And then as you walk through the gate, on the backside of the gate, it says those whom he chose. And so how those both work together is beyond like our mind. But yes, it is real. Yeah, that's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Totally. 
Okay, what if you're listening to that and you're like, well, what if I'm not predestined? Like, you know, like it could be like, well, I'm scared that that's not me. What would you say? What would you say to that? I would say trust in Jesus. If you haven't, like, that's the answer is to trust in Jesus as payment for your sin as your Lord and your Savior. And but I think you're asking something more. What are you asking? Hey, what if I've done that, but I'm afraid I'm not predestined? Um, yeah, let's answer that. I w- I was genuinely being like, well, what if that's not me? Like, what if they feel like that's yeah, like they yeah. I think I like I want to trust in Jesus. I want to believe that, but what if He doesn't cho- choose me back? Like that type yeah. of feeling. I think, you know, the scripture says that God desires that all people would come to repentance and all people would have a relationship from 2 Peter chapter 3. And so I would say, man, trust in him. And that's how you can know that you have been predestined. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have trust in him. And some people wrestle with doubt over, well, man, what if I've done that? But I wasn't chosen. And that typically is, here's here's kind of, this is going to be like inception, a couple layers deep. People who are not saved are not regenerated, so they don't wrestle and question mm-hmm. their salvation. Does that make sense? Like a person who's, who has like mm. genuinely trusted in Christ, man, I trust in Jesus and I'm worried, and yet I still struggle with sin. What if that means that I'm not actually a believer? All of those types of things are a reflection of a heart that genuinely wants to please God and wants a relationship with God, which is a mark of a follower of Jesus. Does that make sense? Could it also not at the same time be like just a fear of like going to hell? Yeah, and I think that's a fear of being separated from God, which if you have trusted in Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then, man, you can rest assured that is not the destination that you're headed towards. I got you. But I think it's natural to have wrestles and, like, believers can wrestle with, hey, man, maybe I'm not among the elect. If you have trusted in Christ, have genuinely believed he's the payment for your sin, you don't have to wrestle or worry about that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good to wrestle with it. I, I don't think it's like, bad to 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 wrestle with those thoughts and question and and do the research and look into it yourself yeah is like, in like you want to make sure that your faith is yours yeah yes that 100%. is true uh i'm more saying hey if you have trusted in jesus to the person who you know in their uh heart has genuinely believed man you can have a confidence you can be assured where you're going to spend eternity. Yeah, I'm pulling up Romans 10, 9 to just like quote it yeah. for people to like for the confidence. So Romans 10, 9 says, but what do, does, oh, sorry. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it was, it for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. There's totally. a lot of other verses to reference, but like I totally, um, that can be a scary thing and it can be like tempting to be like oh what if that's not me and you know totally i feel like that can just be the enemy like trying to shake your your confidence your confidence in who god says he is and his promises and all that that's exactly right so at the same time there's probably people who think they're believers that are not right like but it's because they think that they're saved by going to church or because Mm -hmm. they grew up in their They've always been Christian, and they have actually never understood what it even means to be a Christian, which is trust in Jesus, your Lord and Savior. So those people, would you say, like earlier you said, the ones that are wrestling with it, they're probably, I believe you weren't saying 100%, but probably saved, or at least on the right path, right? 
Yeah, it's like the people at, so I used to, or I've spoken at lots of camps during the summer, yeah. and there's kids that will get saved like eight years in a row. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, man, okay. this is my year. I'm never going <laughs> to sin again. I'm, I'm going all in with Jesus, and, and yeah. uh, I need to do it again. And it's like, man, you, you, uh, the promise is not that you're never going to sin again. And the reason why you're like hoping, and man, maybe mm-hmm. if I do it enough this time, it'll take, and I'll never struggle again, yeah. which is just not the case, is likely or can be a reflection of you have a regenerated heart, and a person with a regenerated heart wants to please God. A person without a regenerated heart doesn't care about pleasing God, so they're not wrestling with, man, um, what if I haven't pleased God in that? In other words, it's generally a reflection of the fact that you are saved. Does that make sense? And it, yeah. So, But how does that relate to the person that thinks they're saved? Well, I think the person who is like culturally Christian probably doesn't – honestly, they're not wrestling over their sin. Mm-hmm. oftentimes they're not wrestling with like, man, yeah, we, we slept together and I feel bad about it or I feel guilt. They're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just don't even think about that. Of course they, they would identify as that because if I'm not Muslim and I'm not atheist and I'm not Hindu, I'm Christian. I was raised, you know, we went they to feel the, like that's a default. Yeah. Religion. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of what we are, you know, and yeah. I go to church Christmas and Easter yeah. and mass or I grew up Catholic. So it's, you mentioned getting baptized eight times. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like, like, I had someone ask me the other day about getting baptized again. Yeah. And is that like, I don't know. I was like, I was like, why do you want to get baptized again? They were like, oh, well, I just feel like the, the old me had, uh, I, I need like to almost feel refreshed. Yeah. They got baptized in like middle school and they're like, I didn't really mean it. Is that something that you'd say is like biblical to get baptized again? Or is it necessary? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's a good question. It, it kind of depends on the circumstance. Like it, mm-hmm. in your phrasing of, her situation, it sounds like she was saying, I think I got baptized and I wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, if that's the right. case, then she really wasn't baptized. Because, man, this is funny. Do y'all know what, like, baptism means? Like, the Greek word? Tell us, David. It, it just <laughs> means... <laughs> I don't think you actually need to go that underwater. Don't, I don't, yeah. but, like, I mean... Yeah, it does. It means it means just... It literally just means submerged underwater. Like, there's Greek word... Like, in Christian circles... We just basically took that and we're like, we're just going to keep this word. This we now own word. this word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in original, like ancient Greek writing, where baptizo, which is the word in the New Testament, they have it referenced in cooking books where they're talking about you take pickles, <laughs> you take cucumbers and you baptizo or you put them under, you submerge them underneath water. It just means to be submerged underwater. Now, as believers, we understand that submersion from Romans 6 is a reflection of being buried with Christ. That's when you go under the water and raised to walk in newness of life, and cleansed from all of your sin. And so for us, it's an outward symbol that reflects an inward reality. It's like a wedding ring. Like a wedding ring doesn't make me married. It reflects the fact that I am married. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't technically baptized if she wasn't a believer, because it's an outward reflection of an inward reality. If there wasn't an inward reality, then she's doing an outward reflection. It's like somebody who's wearing a wedding ring, and they're not married. So of course... She should she should get baptized again yeah. if she wasn't a believer then. I got you. Because I feel like I've I've seen some churches where it's like they're like, oh, you want to get baptized again? Like, let's go, and they're baptizing people like eight times a year. Yeah, just so just so <laughs> like the same person eight times. Yeah, just just, no. just, just so like, numbers like, our numbers are up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and people should stop doing that too. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. Uh, should we find what another else, one, guys? How to date well. We're going to have to do, like, that's, lots on dating. Yeah, that's too much to get into right now. 
the the thing I would say on dating, like if I could boil biblical dating down to one thing, okay. the Bible doesn't reference dating, but it does have a lot to say about evaluation, wisdom, love, marriage, and romance. And it has a lot to say about interpersonal relationships. And if I could boil it down, it's like honor one another. Mm. Like, man, you do that and you will date well. And you will not experience like the heartbreak. Because if you honor one another, it means that, hey, I'm going to not be, I'm not going to ghost you because that's not honoring. Mm -hmm. If you honor one another, I'm not going to sleep with you because that's Mm -hmm. not honoring because you're not my wife. Mm -hmm. If you honor one another, you're you're not going to be harsh with your words. And you're not going to lie and say, man, I'd love to go on a second date because lying is not honoring. Yeah. And so you're going to honor them by telling them, I had a great time. I don't see this moving forward. Yeah. Boom. We I'm got... talking to you, Maverick. Okay? <laughs> I feel it. I you. feel it. It's pretty I obvious. Feel the energy. I feel the energy in the room just shifting. <laughs> got it. Uh, no. I had a friend the other day ask me. He was like, well, he said, you're basically married if you've had sex. And I was like, okay. I haven't heard that before. What is like, when are you married? Or is it just in the eyes of God? Because like, obviously, like the paper from the state doesn't yeah. like mean kind of like the ring really. you were talking about i was really yeah. thinking about that too it's like okay then people are like yeah go like ahead, are you only it. married when like you know a uh, a priest or pastor marries you in the eyes of god yeah yeah okay this is crazy i actually like feel like i went deep on this this summer in that series i referenced sex by design on marriage because the um state of texas like it's a fascinating question. Hey, if you mm-hmm. come together in a justice of the peace, like you go to the courthouse mm-hmm. and they say, hey, you're, you're now man and wife, you're married. Are you officially married in God's eyes in that moment? Yeah. What's interesting about the state of Texas is if you don't have sex, if you don't consummate the marriage. No way. You can apply for an annulment, not a divorce. What? An annulment because the state recognizes, wow. hey, it never consummated. And that's in Texas. That's, I mean, that's crazy. In, like, so. That reflects the power of just God's design for sexual intimacy and marriage and and further connects, because that's just the state of Texas. Let me go back to the Old Testament law. What's fascinating further in the Old Testament, again, this is just kind of like thought-provoking things. Mm -hmm. The penalty for having sex outside of marriage, if you were married, for committing adultery, basically, you know what the penalty was? Death. It was death. (gasps) The penalty for (laughs) premarital sex, like two young lovebirds that got caught in the barn, the penalty for that marriage was marriage. Was marriage. <laughs> oh, yes. I've heard your messages before. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I have all the answers. Yeah, you get if you're married already and you get caught sleeping with somebody. Man, they stoned you. You if you're two young lovebirds and you get caught sleeping together. Congrats, son. You're now married. Welcome to the family, and you got to pay the bride price. It's just as though God saw those two things were so interconnected together. So to answer your question, I think that you're married when you have committed and entered into that covenant as a believer that I pledge my life to you, you pledge my life to them, and you have entered into the covenant of marriage. And as a part of that covenant, sexual union unites those two and become one flesh together. But you'd say if you just have one or the other, it's not. So for example, yeah. his person that he's talking about that was like, I've already had sex with this person, yeah. so are we married in God's eyes? No. The straight answer is no. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. Mm. Okay. But what makes someone married is not sex. Mm-hmm. It's the covenant, yep. which is different than a contract. Yep. The contract you can break, the covenant you cannot. Covenant is what God makes with us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not a contract. And that is what reflect that's the thing about marriage that reflects that him, covenant. is yep. that covenant. Yep. 
And so the covenant piece is the thing, not the sex piece. But what you were saying is like those, it doesn't mean that sex should not be a part of yes. marriage. That definitely should be a part of it. I think every time you have sex in marriage, you're like renewing and sealing. You're going back to the seal on that covenant. Yeah. You're like resealing, resealing, resealing. Even though it's supposed to be an unbreakable, you're just resealing and coming together. And so there is an interconnectedness, but no. We got fire going on. All right, now I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in a little bit more to this. Lean. Okay. So let's just say a girl listening to this podcast and her boyfriend are having sex. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. she feels guilty about it, but he doesn't really feel guilty about it. Yeah. As much. Yeah. You know. Um, and you were just saying how, like back in the Old Testament days, if you were having sex, the penalty is marriage. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of feeling like, okay, well now I have to marry this guy. Yeah. Because if not, then I'm really living in sin yeah. and, you know, all that. David, speak to that, please. I would say, <laughs> no, you don't have to marry this guy. In fact, you shouldn't marry this guy. Okay. Because he is sleeping with somebody who's not his wife, which shows you there's a good chance someday he's going to sleep with somebody who's not his wife, even if he is married. Does that make sense? You know what? Say it again, because I that's the thing. Back in the porch days, I heard that in a message. I was like, that's such a good point. Like, basically, he's that person is training himself to have sex with people outside of marriage because he's already doing it with you. Yes. And it's not something that is easily turned off. Yes. He's, he's right. Yeah. He's showing, uh, he, he's basically telling you, Hey, I don't have sexual restraint. Right. So, I mean, you, you're walking in, you know, and I'm marrying somebody that doesn't have the sexual restraint to reserve sex for marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big red flag. So for that person. That's a pretty big red flag. Big red flag. Yeah. Huge red okay, flag. Okay, but they could probably feel like, oh, but not with me because I'm his one true love. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I would say. For you, now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> and the sexual, lack of sexual restraint. He, again, he's just showing you, I don't have the ability to show sexual restraint. And your value is of such incredible worth that you deserve somebody that is going to honor you and honor the marriage bed. Hebrews chapter 13 says, let the marriage bed be honored by all. Yeah. And he's clearly showing you that he's not doing that. Okay, but to be fair, that like he could change and become a believer and become repentant and that person would still be like a good fit for marriage if there was was like repentance from that, right? Like he, he's not like, yeah. oh, he's totally out now. Yes. It's ruined. It's not completely ruined either. Yes. Like there is a path forward with that person. Yes. Um, but not as it is today if there's like no repentance and no like, hey, I do feel bad about yes, that. Yes, totally. Yeah. Like it's not like he's damaged goods or you're damaged goods to the point where there couldn't be anything. But when you pick a spouse you don't go based off of the potential. Right. You go based off patterns. Mm -hmm. Like you pick stock based off potential. You invest in Bitcoin based on potential. You don't pick a spouse Why based on potential. Because you want to base it on patterns. Like what have I seen and what is the path that their life is on? That you're too, that's too important. Aside from your relationship with God, there's no human relationship that is more important on this earth that you're going to have than with your spouse. Yeah. You can't be too selective and too thoughtful and too uh, discreet and wise in how you evaluate and determine, hey, is this the person I'm going to marry? So if you're sleeping together, man, I would break up. I would repent. I would find healing separately. Mm -hmm. And may, who knows? Maybe God will bring that story back together. Mm -hmm. But right now, you're both, you're both being a uh, hindrance to one another in your faith. Yeah. So it's hard. And that's going to be hard. Yeah. Because soul ties are real. I mean, that's what Paul. Okay. 
Paul, that, 1 Corinthians 6, goes into soul ties. That actually brings up a great next question I saw. Man, I've got... Oh, I, go. All right, I'm going to come back to oh, the thing wanna, I think no, is go crazy. To soul, go to soul ties. No, I think I'm it's not... I think I'm the only person that thinks it's that crazy and fascinating. No, 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 okay. so, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so, and I was studying. Are you going to forget? No. Okay, when I was studying, um, and I don't know that this is true, but it's at least pretty wild. Okay. Okay, so we know that God creates Adam... So Genesis 1, it says God created man. In his image, he created the male and female. Okay. Remember this? It's 1, 27 yeah. or 28. And uh, you would think, oh, he, he he's just telling us God made man and he made a male and female. So okay. there's two of them right there. In chapter 2, it says he made the man, uh, that he made man, and he took the man and he put him to sleep because there wasn't a helper fit for him. Dude, this is wild. Anesthesia. Boom. <laughs> anesthesia. He's under. <laughs> And he takes, and we often think he took Eve <laughs> from his rib. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's what it says. That's what it says. It? Yeah. The Hebrew so. word is it takes it from his side. Depending on the translation, oh, it'll okay, say it okay. takes it from his side. <laughs> yeah. And there is rabbinical teaching. Like, it's a very, uh, Christians, I don't know that I believe this, and I don't even know if I would say it's true, but it's at least like, man, that's fascinating. There's rabbinical teaching that suggests that when he takes the man and he makes him go to sleep, that man is both male and female. Okay. And that he Whoa. splits. Why? Wow, stay with what me. Do you mean? Ready? 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 He splits the man. That he is he is both. Um, there's a word actually for it. That that he was both. Um, he was co- combined together, or he was connected, male and female. And he he makes him male and female for the very first time in that moment. And the two coming back together, and the parts fitting together, is the two becoming one flesh again. Now stay with me. Here's why they think that. Are y'all following me? Yeah, I'm following you. It's fairly common David. rabbinical teaching. All right, I'm not calling. Hey, just stay with me. Right, I'm right, not right, calling. Right, right. Here's why. Here's why. Here's Let's why. Let's hear the rest. Okay, here's why. Later. The first time that male is used, every time prior to that moment where it says um, Adam, okay. Ad, no, it says Adam and Eve and male and female, the first time that male and female, um, the word that is used there is different than every other word that's used for Adam. Like the word Adam just means man. Right. And it's not until that moment where it says that he made them male and female or he made him man and woman. Ish and Isha, which is the Hebrew word. That's what that's what I meant. It says male and female, but it doesn't say man and woman. Okay. That he took the man, he took Adam, and then he made them into a man, Ish, which is the Hebrew word, and Isha. And so rabbinical teaching, some people think that, hey, prior to that, he was, um, man, there's a word for it where you're both, both sex. Intersex. And then he, he no, it's nothing like that. <laughs> but he split them apart. Now I don't know if that's true, but it at least I think what I appreciate about that teaching is that it puts an emphasis on how amazing God's design of uniting back together and two becoming one is. Mm-hmm. But regardless of whether that's true, it does put an emphasis on just how intentional God's creation and His beauty of man and woman to be this incredible complement together yeah. in the context of marriage. Yeah. So does it say man and woman or male and female? <clears throat> It says male and female in chapter okay, one. And before that, it says Adam, which is man. And every time it's Adam, which just means man. And then the first time it says the man and the woman. Prior to that, it's always Adam. Adam. So it's always just man, man, man. And then it's man and woman. Yes. But... So basically this person, whatever you're talking about, they're studying the ancient writings, like the original writing. Yes. And translating it back to our language. Yes. And this is what they're finding. Yeah, they're saying basically the first time Ish and Isha, which yeah. is the Hebrew for, for masculine and feminine, is used is after he splits them. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it's always Adam, which is the Hebrew word for yeah. man. 
So anyways, again, I don't think anybody cares about that. I'm not even <laughs> sure it's true, but in fascinating in reading about it, I was like, dude, that's wild. Okay, that's I should true. have mentioned in your intro earlier that you love history. You're a big history guy. Thank You're you. a big, you know, Greek yeah. language guy. Yeah, <laughs> kind I'm of, sorry. Kind of I'm conspiracy not... theoristy. Yeah. With some stuff, too. Look, I'm sorry. I don't just watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Elena. Okay, like, David. Um... Is that show still on? I have no idea. Yeah, it's, well, anyway, yeah, rebranded. Yes, it is. Um, okay, now can we go to my question? Yes, sorry. Okay. So going back to what we were talking about, yeah. how the... Soul tie? Not the soul ties, about how, like, if they're in a relationship and they're having sex and they break up, like how, obviously, it's going to be a really hard situation. One of the questions we got in from Instagram was, how to grieve an ex? And I yeah. thought it was a really interesting question. Because mm. that is a tough one. Oh, yeah. That is hard. Maverick, take it away. Yes! <laughs> um... I don't know. For me, I feel like I, I've i only really been, I've been broken up with once and it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> yeah. It was not fun. Oh, it's terrible. Um, but um, I felt like in that time, I grew so much closer to God too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like leaning into the church, leaning into my, my friends and um, grew my friend group, grew all of that. And so much good came from it. That within a couple months, I was like, oh, I can see like God's plan in this yeah mm -hmm. like i'm growing into something better even though i felt like i kind of lost a lot yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but i mean it's still it, it's something that's still hard everything like, it's still hard yeah, it's okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know every day no <laughs> yes. no um but yeah grieving an ex is not easy no it's no. real no it's real which but i think i think the um the way you grieve and how how deep the grief is connected back to how you dated, mm -hmm. which is For why sure. sex exactly. can be such a damaging thing. I mean, that analogy of a fire, sex being like a fire, it's great in a fireplace. It can be so destructive outside of it, it is cliche, but it's it's a good one because that's that's how sex can be. And the damage that can happen when you introduce that in a dating relationship and something that's meant to be a continual seal mm -hmm. in marriage is now just broken and those ties mm -hmm. come apart. And so uh, whether you had sex, it, it can still be incredibly painful. Mm -hmm. And so I think you gotta be honest. You gotta have people around you, community mm -hmm. or other believers around that you can be honest with, being honest with God about where you're at in your heart. I mean, mm -hmm. the beauty of the Psalms, I think, is we get to see King David, who yeah. uniquely in all of the Bible is called a man after God's own heart. And we see him just yelling his pain to God, talking about crying more tears than I even knew I had. Tears of blood at one point, right? I think you were talking about Jesus. No, I think he cried tears of blood too. I don't. Is that right, Jason? Either way, I think he did. Sorrow upon sorrow, and Lots. I think I think being honest with people around you, and then giving yourself space to heal. One thing that I mean we would see all the time at the porch is young adults would break up. And then in order to cope with the pain of that breakup, they jump right. I mean, it's rebound relationships. They jump mm -hmm. right back in yeah. before taking time to heal mm -hmm. and get to a good place spiritually mm -hmm. where they're ready to even date. Yeah. So. I was going to say like grieving kind of what you mentioned, Maverick, it's, it's a process and it's kind of this thing we would recommend to people in general, grieving or not is like you kind of need to, First of all, get out of yourself, like put like be involved at a church, basic yes. stuff, you know, like be in community with other friends that can help you through the time yes. who are going to point you to Jesus through it. Like 
pray to God, get in his word. Like those are the basic things that it's like, it's kind of relevant to life in general, but it's totally. even more important when you are grieving or else you can go to a very dark place very quickly. Totally. And I think what's so hard about grieving an ex is it's like, depending on how deep you were in the situation, every situation is different. But like, let's just say you were dating for years and you really thought you were going to get married. Well, you're kind of grieving your whole life that you thought you were going to have. Totally. Like you're not just grieving yeah. a person. You're also grieving like their family. And like, mm, for example, so let's true. just say you loved their mom, you know, and you're like, well, now, like, I can't talk to his mom without making me feel sad, but I don't want to not be friends with her anymore because we're so close. You know, like there's all these layers to it that mm. it's just so hard. And I just remember something that I've heard as counsel young adults over the years is like just zooming out and being like, OK, either you guys are a going to get back together and God will work through that or B, if that's not God's will for you and you guys don't get back together, like you need to realize that that person was not yours in the first place. Like mm -hmm. God already knows whether like that's a fit for you or not, or like yeah. if that's your person or not. And if it's not your person, why would you want anything that's not God's will anyways? Like if you truly yeah. believe in God and you truly believe that he has your best interest in mind, which he does in all of us. And it's so hard to believe sometimes when bad things happen to us, but it's the truth. Then you need to know like, that person was not yours. You need to let them go. They're someone else's spouse or may maybe, maybe not, but they're not yours. And you only want what God has for you. You know, yeah. that's a hard truth to swallow sometimes, but oh, it sure. does help to zoom out and be like, okay, why would I want something that God doesn't have for yes, me? Yes, totally. You know? mm -hmm. Totally. And if you're in that moment right now, I mean, everything you said is so true. I would lean in. I would be honest with God. And I would know, and as hard as this is going to be for you to believe, like all of that grief and pain, it's, it won't last. Right. Like it's not going to be there forever. It's going to, yeah. you're, you're going to, uh, this too shall pass. Yeah. So to speak. And that, that honestly applies to like tremendous anxiety that may be represented from people listening, tremendous fear or tremendous just sadness that yeah. you're walking through and that God's going to have a purpose for that pain. And, um, it's good. Yeah. It, that's hard too. Cause like you said, sometimes it, it's at the cost of losing what feels like some of your family. Yeah. You can lose your whole friend group. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Can, I mean, you may thought you had a lot of friends and community and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're alone. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think kind of what you said, the purpose in the pain. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes I, I look at like Job and I'm like, man, it's hard to find like the purpose in the pain. Totally. Um, ultimately, you know, he, you go, he, Job is going to be in heaven. So he'll get the eternal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, why you're on earth, that's that's tough. It can be hard. Yeah, I I, I, I think it's like um, when you look at the back of a uh, a tapestry or yeah. you look at the back of, of a um, what are the, a quilt, you flip over a quilt and there's like frayed edges and it just doesn't look as pretty and things kind of look wonky. And you're like, man, that just doesn't look um, right. Uh, it doesn't right? look like it was intentionally Stuck designed everywhere. Then you flip the quilt over. And you see all of the incredible design and That's all of so the true. stitches and the intentionality. And this side of heaven, we're looking at the bottom of the quilt. I and never in heaven, thought about it like you're that. You're going to get to be able to see, oh, what I thought was just frayed, brokenness, heartbreak, uh, things that feel unexplainable. Because there's a lot of things that feel unexplainable. One day we're going to see, man, there was, there was tapestry being woven even in what seemed like the frayed edges that I could see. So I feel like we may be out of time, guys. Okay. <laughs> hey, we'll see you next week on another episode. It feels like the old days. Okay, David, you're <laughs> Truth and love. Okay, Let's you're putting go. out a lot of fake energy right now. 
Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm, that's not fake. I'm excited. It's like 9 a.m. What do you? Yeah, have? come on. All right, all right. Okay, hey, we'll see you next Let's week. Let's all get milkshakes like like Maverick. Yeah, yeah we didn't talk about morning. the milkshake. <laughs> He's drinking a milkshake right now. Okay, that's it. We'll see you next time. Peace.